So as you can tell from that scripture reading, uh, Jesus gives some real talk <laughs> in that section. Um, he is bringing to light the fact that we live in a world full of conflict. Right? There's conflicts all around us. And we're constantly reminded of that, uh, just living life. Sometimes we're kind of feel like we're along for the ride and all of a sudden a, a conflict that's bigger than us, we're drawn into it. And it's not that it wasn't there before, it's just that now we are become active participants, whether we like it or not. I think of um, Flight 93. That's a, one of the flights that went down on 9-11 in, um, in Pennsylvania. That these were folks who were just minding their own business, going to work. Uh, a lot of them were flying on business when the hijackers took over that plane. See, there was a larger conflict going on, a conflict, an ideological conflict, all sorts of conflict where they weren't even thinking about it, but yet they found themselves in that conflict. And as many of you know, um, they were on the phone and they heard that the other planes went into the World Trade Center towers, and so they knew that the hijackers were making their plane into a missile. And so they decided to... Um, to take back the plane, and, and that's where one of them said, let's roll, and they went, and the plane went down, and there's a memorial in um, Pennsylvania where that plane went down. I think there's a picture of it up there. But they gave their life because they were drawn into this uh, larger conflict. They lost their life, but in so doing, they saved countless others because that plane was probably headed towards the Capitol building. See, we live in a world of conflicts, and some of the conflicts aren't necessarily as violent as that. Uh, for instance, if you've ever had your identity stolen or um, your email hacked, you're actually getting drawn into a larger conflict, economic conflict or whatever. But there's just, again, we're brought into conflicts that are bigger than ourselves. And so, too, on a spiritual level, there's larger conflicts going on in this world and above this world where God created the world and he loves the world, but yet the world is in rebellion against him and Satan and the world continually undermine God's plan and his purposes for us and the world. And so how do we as ordinary people navigate this cosmic conflict that often can have physical repercussions? Well, that's what our scripture talks about. That's where Jesus is giving some real talk to guide folks. And remember the context of the scripture that uh, George just read, that uh, Jesus, he had performed many miracles, that, and he showed that Jesus had authority over sickness, over uh, the, the supernatural realm, and even over death. And then he calls people to himself and says, follow me. And one of the people he called was Matthew, the tax collector. So we're going through this sermon series on the book of Matthew. Matthew writes about how he was called to follow Jesus, even though he was an outcast, a religious outcast. Jesus called him to follow, and he follows. And he's brought into this larger plan, this larger purposes of God. And he's following Jesus. But then Jesus, right before this section, remember, he says to his followers, he says, his disciples, he says, all right, I'm going to send you out now. 
I have power and authority, and now I give that power and that message of the kingdom to you, and I want you go to go and spread it everywhere. Why don't you go share that message and, and go in my power so that you, what I've been doing, I want you to do it. And he sends them out. And so they go out in that. And that's, that's the context. Now Jesus is, is explaining to them, okay, I'm sending you out, but understand that I'm sending you out in a world of conflict. And that many people, because you're bringing my message, because you're going in my power and proclaiming God's kingdom, the kingdoms of the world are going to push back against you. That's the, the context of what this passage is. That is, they go and they expand the kingdom. That's going to mark them as, you're not from here. You're, you're a sheep, and you're getting sent out among wolves. That's what Jesus says in verse 16. He says, after he sends them, he says, so I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Because the good news is that Maybe you've trusted that Jesus is who he said he was. He's the son of God. He's come to give his life. He died for you. God loves you. You have um, eternal life in God that now you have his power. You've tasted of his, of his power and his authority, his goodness. That's the good news. But now that means you're active. <laughs> you're active in this conflict. That, that's the only option, that you can, you, you're going to confess Jesus. You're going to say, I'm following him. And that's going to bring you into conflict, even more active conflict in the world. And another thing is that not only is there conflict on the outside, but there's going to be conflict on the inside as well. Because there's old allegiances as we were pulled out of this world, well, we're still in this world. We're pulled out in the sense of that now we're, our, our allegiance is to Jesus, but now it's almost like we're behind enemy lines because we're still in this world. And, but yet there's those internal conflict as well. So there's conflict on the outside, conflict on the inside. And that's why Jesus... He wants to give these ordinary people, because that's what the, who the disciples were, ordinary people, tax collectors, fishermen. He wants to give them guidance. What do we do? How do we navigate this conflict? Because I'm sending you out to spread the good news and share my love with the world. Well, that's our scripture. That's where he gives the disciples some real talk. And he says, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. So be wise as serpents, but innocent as doves. I'm sending you out in this world of conflict. You're going to be marked as a sheep among wolves, but I don't want you to be a wolf. I don't want you to be a serpent. That's the world's ways, but you've got to be wise to that. And you still need to maintain that inner conflict where you're as innocent as doves. Too many times, Christians, we, get, we do the opposite. <laughs> In other words, we have mixed motives. We, have, we follow the, the snake's ways, but our intentions, and our, in our intentions, and we have no skill with non-Christians. But Jesus says, no, you're going into this conflict. You need to be wise, but you also need to be innocent and maintain that inner conflict, keeping Jesus as number one in your heart. And that's why verse 17, he says, uh, he, you know, he says, I'm sending you out. And then he says, beware of men in the ESV. 
That's what I told my daughter when she became a teenager. Be aware of men. Um, no, actually, the word there is people. Like it's, it's, yes, it's men, but it's the general word for people, right? Be, because the problem is, you know, beware of people. Verse 17, they'll deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues. And I think this verse captures the overall vibe of this passage. Yeah, Jesus is giving his, the disciples his message, his power, his purposes, his blessings to spread the kingdom, and, and, but that's going to bring them into conflict with people who are rejecting Jesus and his message. And as verse 21 says, but also uh, verses 34 through 30, 37, that section, that says, even people of your own family, it might bring you into conflict even with people of your own family. Verse 21, brother will deliver brother over to death. Father, his child, and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. And you, can, you might think, well, why? why? Why does the world hate Jesus? Or why would the world hate us? And the, the, the answer is that, well, they, they, do it, they did it to Jesus. They're going to do it to us. That if we're following Jesus, we should expect the same treatment. That's a, we should accept sort of the, the same results. That's a good thing, but it also can be a bad thing in a sense that it brings us into conflict. Jesus says a servant is not greater than their master. If they did it to me, they'll do it to you. And what happened to Jesus? The religious leaders, they persecuted Jesus. One of his close friends who we would consider a family, almost like a family member, Judas, betrayed him. He was put to death violently. So yes, Jesus is the prince of peace, but a sinful world is in violent rebellion against the king and against his followers. And I think that's how we're to understand this, that surprising verse, verse 34. Jesus says, don't think I came to bring peace, but I came to bring sword. I'm like, well, what? wait a minute. Back in the Sermon on the Mount, which we covered a, uh, um, a couple months ago, remember, Jesus said, hey, if someone hits you on the cheek, turn the other. And I tell you, do not hate your enemies, but love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Well, what, how does that match up? Well, I think it's an acknowledgement that the world is, there's already a conflict going on. That, the, that God and the world and God and Satan are already at odds, and so that's already happening. And so even a message of peace, even when the Prince of Peace comes, there's going to be a violent reaction against that. So yes, we are to be innocent as doves. We're to turn the other cheek. We are to love our enemies as Jesus did, but that doesn't mean we will get the same response. I think also there's a look towards Jesus' second coming. In other words, when Jesus comes again to establish his kingdom fully and finally, what some people call heaven, the new Jerusalem, whatever you want to call it, that we know that, well, all suffering is going to be done away with. All sin is going to be done away with. And that's true, that Jesus will eradicate all those things that are against God. And when we read Revelation, it talks about the sword of his mouth, you know, destroying all of God's enemies. And that's why when Jesus came for the first time, he died for his enemies. He died for his enemies because God in his love knew that he must cast out. If heaven is to be heaven, if sin is truly to be done away with, then he must cast out all those things that are against God. And he will do that. But God in his love said, that's why the first time I come, instead of killing you, I'm going to die in your place. 
And so do we receive that? Will we follow Jesus and his king? And that's why he's, I think, talking about this. There's this huge conflict. But Jesus, he comes and gives his life because he is the prince of peace. But Jesus, he's sending his followers out, and so he's giving them real talk. And yes, he's using this military imagery, this violent imagery, the sword and all this stuff, because that's what the world is like. There's conflict in the world. And Jesus, his words are fulfilled, and that many Christians throughout the ages been killed for following Jesus. And that continues today. You know, when I was in... Um, India, I was talking to a, a pastor friend, and he, he was, showed me a picture of an acquaintance he had that was uh, killed in India by a violent Hindu mob who didn't like him preaching Jesus. This stuff still happens today. And so that violent imagery, that military imagery, helps convey the, the, the seriousness of the conflict and the, the here and now repercussions sometimes of following Jesus. And there's also the eternal life, and life and death is at stake in the eternal realm, too. That's why he uses this imagery, because it's, it's just real talk. Jesus is given real talk. And kind of, it's a contrast. You know, in the late 90s and early 2000s, I was a part of the church growth movement, church planting, and all that, and, and that's important, and that's good. But one of the things um, that we're reaping now from that is that as we try to contextualize Jesus' message, in America, we're all consumers. We're all so individualistic uh, that a lot of times we tried to just tell the good stuff, like, all, just in a way that is like, oh, you know, Everything's going to be unicorns and rainbows. Everything is so sweet. You follow Jesus, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all beautiful, and everything that's good is going to get better. And we would skip these passages. But these are passages in the Bible where Jesus talks real and says, yes, of course, is it worth it following Jesus? Is it worth it when you know God and you receive his power, his purposes, uh, his presence in your life? Well, absolutely but make no mistake, we're in a world of conflict, and sometimes that means when we follow Jesus, we're going to follow him into conflict, just like Jesus received pushback, to put it lightly. So will we. So how should we react to that? Okay, Jesus is giving his followers real talk. Is it, well, I'm going to, all right, well, if there's people who aren't going to like the fact that I'm saying Jesus is my Lord, that I'm following Jesus, maybe I should hide. I just, you know, kind of keep, just, you know, keep it on the DL. Well, that's not an option. I mean, Jesus, in this passage, he says, if you can, you know, if you confess me before people, I'll confess you before my father. But if you deny me before people, I'll deny you before my father. True faith is, no, Jesus, who he said he is, and I can't deny him because I'd be denying the truth. So that's really not an option. Now, we need to be wise. That's why Jesus says, I'm sending you out. So be wise as serpents, but innocent as doves, so that if you're in a place where Christians are killed for believing, you don't wear your I love Jesus t-shirt, right? Now, you, you, you live like that, and you'll tell people one-on-one, -on -one, but you don't go broadcasting that in, in, um, in front of the police. So, yeah, you're, you're, and, and we don't seek conflict. We're supposed to be at peace with all people. But we can't hide this. We can't sit this one out. You know, this month or this year, we're talking about this is a year we want to focus on outreach. 
Well, that's what Jesus, like this is outreach. Outreach is going and just living our lives and proclaiming Jesus' message wherever we go. But sometimes there'll be pushback. So how do we react? Do we hide? Do we, do we live in fear? No. In fact, look at verse 26. Jesus just talks about, oh, you're going to be you know, persecuted, maybe even killed for my name. And then verse 26, he says, so have no fear of them. Wait a minute, Jesus, you just talked about all these things that the people are going to do to us, and now you're saying don't fear them? <laughs> like that, why? How, how does that work? Well, verse 26 to 31, he talks about, well, you don't need to fear. That yes, you're going to be going into conflict. Yes, you're going to be as sheep among wolves, but I'm not leaving you by yourself. I'll be with you. I'll empower you. And, and so verse, uh, in that section 26 through uh, 31, he says, everything will be made known. Don't fear them. Everything that's hidden will be made known. Because sometimes we're afraid because during conflict and war, it's a fog of battle. Who really knows what happened? Everyone claims that they were right. And so we might be afraid that, oh, I'm going to be framed. Because Jesus, he was framed, right? But here Jesus is saying, don't fear because the truth will come to light. And therefore, things will be judged for what they really are. Not what people think, but they'll be judged in truth. Because God is the ultimate judge. And he sees all. He reveals all truth. And because he is the judge, you can be confident that you don't need to fear what other people think. You don't need to fear that, oh, I'm going to be falsely accused, and, and maybe on this earth, but ultimately you will be vindicated. Because the judge is the one who will proclaim you innocent or not. And the judge is the Lord. You know, sometimes you hear that expression lately, well, history will judge us, blah, blah, blah. History ain't going to judge anybody. God is going to judge people. I mean, you know, so, oh, so in a in hundred years, some people are going to look back at this or that and judge it. Well, well then a hundred more years, some other people have other judgments. No, the Lord is the judge. Now, uh, yes, it's true that we should have a, a, a bigger perspective, but ultimately God is the judge. And because he's the judge, you don't have to fear being misjudged ultimately. The other reason it says not to fear in verse 28 is don't fear those who can only kill the body. Fear the one who has authority over body and soul. So God has authority over your soul. No person has authority over your soul. The most people can do is kill your body. Again, they have no authority over your soul. So yes, facing death is scary, especially if it's painful. But if you're following Jesus, because remember, what's the pattern Jesus keeps saying? All right, you follow me, you'll do what I did. So uh, you preach the same message, I give you the same power, so you can cast out demons, all this. That's the pattern that we see here. What, G what happens to Jesus is going to happen to his followers, right? Well, when Jesus died, was that the end of it? No. no. This is Lent, right, where we look forward to Easter, the cross was not the end. Jesus' death was not the end. He rose from the dead. Resurrection. He is the first fruits. So his followers will rise again. Amen. So 
this, I say this, I want this to be my attitude, and, you know, we never know what we're going to face death, but I really want my attitude, our attitude to be, you know, I don't know how many years I have left, maybe 20. That's what I'm thinking. I think, oh, Pastor, you'll live longer. I don't know. I think 20. But <laughs> you... We need to have the attitude of, you can take my final 20 years because I got countless more in the presence of God. Amen. And that's not, a, that's not a boast because I know that if I, 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 I trembling think that I have to ever stand before someone who wants to take my life for that. But we need to, in our minds, get the truth settled. Though God is the one who has authority over my body and soul so i'm going to fear him more because now it means i don't have to fear anybody in this world the other reason not to fear is that god knows you and he cares for you he even knows the sparrows you're more valuable than sparrows see this in verse 29 he says are not two sparrows sold for a penny there's inflation now by the way they're more than a penny um <laughs> And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more value than many sparrows. So this assurance of eternal life, it's not just an impersonal transaction. It's not like anybody watching America's Got Talent. It's okay, not too many, but some people. Well... <laughs> Basically, you can get the golden buzzer. What that means is that you perform and they go, bah, and now you immediately get transported to the, to the final uh, show, right? Many of us think of like our relationship with God like that. Okay, I trust in Jesus. I get the golden buzzer. God is sort of gone. I don't see him till the final episode. That's not what it's like. No, God knows us and he cares for us. This is a relationship with the king. The moment in this life you step into his kingdom, now you have a relationship with the king. The, your father is the king. Which is why in verses 19 and 20, Jesus says, um, you know, when you are brought before councils or, or, you know, put on trial for being a Christian, don't worry about what you'll say. Because Why? The Spirit will give you utterance. God is with us in the person of the Holy Spirit. We're not alone. He'll strengthen us. So no, we don't need to hide in fear. That yes, we step into a world of conflict, and some of these conflicts are scary, but we don't have to fear. We continue to confess Jesus in both our words and our deeds. We do what Jesus did. We want to reflect him in all parts of life. So we keep confessing him. And one of the promises in verse 32 is Jesus says, if, if you before men, if you confess me, I'll confess you before my father. In other words, as, as we go out and about and we say, I'm with Jesus, then when we stand before God, Jesus says, oh, they're with me. <laughs> they're with me. Now, there is conflicts on the outside but let's face it, many times, especially in our context where we have freedom in this nation and whatnot, most of the time the conflicts that we'll be dealing with are the, on the inside is will I, can, will, will I continue to confess Jesus? Will I continue to live my life as if he is my king because he is my king? 
That's why in, in Matthew 12, 10, uh, excuse me, 10, verse 38 and 32, it says, Jesus said, whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So here in the context, yes, this, this literally means, no, I, I may lose my life if I continue to tell people about Jesus in, in that context. But the other context is that because there's a conflict, you're, you're gonna, you, if you follow Jesus, something's going to die. Something's going to die because he lived. And what I mean by that is either you may be put to death, but if not, then there's a part of your life, your old life, that needs to be put to death because it's a part of the conflict that is against Christ. I mean, that's what he says. Everyone has a cross to bear. Everyone has a part of their life that they have to lose because it's contrary to God and his purposes. I mean, we know that. Again, we're in a conflict whether we know it or not. Oftentimes, we don't know it. We trust in Jesus, and then we realize, wow, there's so much in this world that's against God. And then you're like, wait, there's so much within me that is against God. And so then we, we, we come to that realization, oh, there's a part of me that needs to be put to death. There's a cross that I have to bear, but it makes sense because Jesus bore his cross. So, yeah, it is worth it. And I'm following him, and I trust in him. And so I trust it. If he says this part of me's got to die, it's got to die because it's a part of the world. And it's undermining me. It's undermining what God's trying to do. So I'll bear that cross. The internal conflict. Every conflict, we, I mean, every choice we make, there's a conflict involved. Is it supporting Jesus, or is it supporting the, follow, the fallen world? Conflict every day. And we all have different types of conflict in our hearts, depending on our, our past, our, our experiences, our upbringing. Um, we all have different crosses to bear. We all have different things in our life that need to be put to death. But the commonality is we all have a cross to bear because Jesus bore his cross. There's something we all struggle with, and it depends. And some, of, some people have a more difficult time with certain things, and some people have a less difficult time, depending on... Again, so many factors. Reminds me of when I was in the, when I was in the military, I, I was in military intelligence and I was, I, I was in tactical. So what that meant is that I was in grave danger because, not really because I never in battle, but you know, uh, potentially, because all right, when here's the Soviet forces were here, the NATO forces were here, my job was to go in between them and listen and eavesdrop on uh, radio traffic. So in order to get on the battalion level, I would have had to have been like in the middle, in between these two forces. So what are the dangers? What are the, what's the cross there? Well, you could get killed pretty easy. And that's why I was trying to transfer into the strategic military intelligence, <laughs> which is sitting in an office using satellites to eavesdrop. <laughs> now, there was still danger. The danger would be gaining so much weight and getting diabetes and not... Um, <laughs> Um, and not, be, yeah, not being able to pass your physical fitness test. Like, but there's dangers in different things. We all, but we all have a difficulty, no matter. So, yes, we're all in the conflict, but we all have different parts, different struggles. And there's subtleties, too. So that a lot of the internal conflict goes back to idolatry. 
meaning that um, pretty much all sin, all things against God have their root in idolatry. And what I mean by that is God is God, right? He created the world. He sustains the world. He is number one in the universe, right? That's what it means to be God. Idolatry puts something other than God in that number one place. And basically all sin is that. So basically all sin undermines and says, God isn't or shouldn't be number one. And so there's things in our heart that that rise up and try to take that number one place. So there's that internal conflict. Even good things. That's why Jesus here, he's, when he, he says those surprising words, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Well, even good things can become idols. Because remember, Jesus, one of the, the big commandments, made the top ten, right? Honor your father and mother. You're supposed to love your parents. You're supposed to honor them. But even that can become an idol if those are, inc- those are raised up and take the place of God. Even good things can become idols. So there's this conflict inside. Are we going to continue to not only confess Jesus as our king, but live him out in our hearts? The other difficulty, too, is that because we're so used to the world's ways, because we live in the world, that very subtly things can come in and so that instead of being wise as serpents and innocent as doves, because that's what Jesus said, you know, in this conflict, you're going to need to be wise as serpents but innocent as doves, we take on the serpent's ways because those work. Right? We live in a world of violence. And so all of this military imagery and all of this stuff, this violent imagery, it can phase the, the seriousness of the fight that there's eternal life and death at stake, but where it falls short is that our weapons are, are spiritual weapons. They're, they're nonviolent like Jesus. And so many times, Christians, we, we continue to trust and try to get worldly power and influence thinking, well, that's how the world works. Do you hear me? Where we say, all right, it's dog eat dog, so I better be a dog. That's not how the world works. You, it says, you're go- I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves, so don't become a wolf. Oh, the serpent's ways, that's what, how the world works. no. Yeah, be wise as a serpent, but you stay innocent as doves. So many times we want to grab worldly power. Is that what Jesus did? No, he gave his life. So, so many times, very subtly, we're like, oh, no, let's get a strong man who will fight for us. Well, how about the one who died for us? He's the key. He's the one we follow. That's why we need to keep our hearts pure after Christ and not say, oh, you know, fight fire with fire. Fight fire with fire is a slogan of the kingdom of hell, not the kingdom of heaven. We need to stay wise as serpents, but innocent as doves. That's the internal conflict, and that's probably the hardest part of this conflict, is that we're stepping into the world And yes, beware of men. They're going to try to hurt you and kill you. And the temptation is, well, what they do to me, I'll do to them. But it's no, what Jesus has done to me, I will do to them. I will love them. I will share with them the good news, even if they say, you share that junk with me, I'm going to kill you. 
because we know it gives life. So yes, how do we navigate this world full of conflict? Jesus says we don't have to fear. We don't have to fear because the one who will judge all things, he is our king. And the other thing, and Jesus doesn't get into it too much in this scripture, but yes, it's worth it. All right, I've kind of given you the, the Jesus gives the real talk here, okay? And so it might, you might be, if you're struggling with Christianity, if you're wondering, I don't know if I want to become a Christian. Now you're like, yeah, I really don't want to, I'm not sure if I want to become a Christian. What's not in this section, but it's throughout the Bible, is it's worth it. It's worth it because God is the judge and he's a loving judge. He's a loving father. And yes, he is all powerful. Yes, every knee will bow before him. But he sent Jesus to show his love so that when we trust in Jesus, we're stepping into a purpose bigger than ourselves, a power bigger than ourselves. So yes, now we pray for people. Sometimes they're healed. It's not our power, it's Christ's power. That there's a message that we proclaim, and it's not ourselves, it's not the message of the world, it's a message that God loves you, he created you, he has a purpose for you, and when you follow him, you experience his presence, not just now, but forever. And forever is such a long time. But it's not just for, oh, this is something after you die, it's now. Now, when we are going through difficulties, sickness or whatever, God is with us, sustaining us, giving a power, a perspective in his presence beyond himself. So even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear any evil, whether that evil is persecution or whether it's evil welling up on the inside. We give that up to God. And then he does things that we can't do on our own. So yes, we live in a world of conflict. But Jesus has overcome. So let's follow him. Live in his victory. Live in his love. Not in the ways of the world. Let's pray. Dear God, we come before you and we're so grateful for your sacrifice on the cross so that we could be with you forever. Holy Spirit, move in this place. And Lord, we, none of us want to suffer. None of us want persecution or anything like that. But yet, settle it in our hearts now to follow you, to follow your goodness. And Lord, if there are any here who are not sure about Christianity, not sure about following you, I pray that you would overwhelm them with a sense of your truth. Lord, cause each one of us to step towards you, to confess you in everything we do, both in word and in spirit, and in everything, Lord, we say and do, to the glory of the Father. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.